I'm Mel. And I'm Tosh. And welcome to another episode of Mahogany Mumology, an online dialogue pertaining to the concerns and carefree parenting of Black motherhood. Our prayers and condolences go out to the families who have lost a loved one recently. At the time of this taping, we send our thoughts to Vanessa Bryant and the families affected in the helicopter crash in Los Angeles. Yes, yes. We have finally launched our retail line of Mahogany Mammology Mom Merch. Be a conversation starter with the Continue the Conversation mug and the This is Motherhood t-shirt. Stop by today at MahoganyMammology.com. And now, on to the show. So, as you were alluding to in... Yeah, in our in the intro, uh, the emotional trauma brought on by death of a close family member is often accompanied by very emotional responses, and rightfully so, right? Adults have difficulty processing the death, but how do we have a healthy and successful discussion about death to their offspring, their children? We will discuss how to talk to your children about death with our guest mammologist, Miss Kimberly. And can you please say your last name? Of course. I'm Apoowo. Apoowo. Thank you. Apoowo? Yes. Okay, yes. I'm glad I got that right on the first round, dog. Because oh. I would have messed it up. Well, this is why I asked, because I wasn't even. Okay, thanks. So we thank you for thank being you. a guest on our show. Of course. Go ahead, Mel. Kimberly is an uh, are we saying Xenial? Mm-hmm. Xenial. Uh, Xenial. I know. That like, word. I, know. I, was like, I was like, okay. All right. Xenial. Xenials are what, though? I know. So it's kind of like the sandwich generation. Oh, y'all refer back to that episode. We ain't going <laughs> to get definition. Go listen to it. Ain't got time for y'all. <laughs> so Kimberly is a Xenial blogger, advocate, and licensed social worker with experience in mental health, community administration, and advocacy. She is a multi-passionate about health-related topics, politics, poverty, and women's empowerment, just to name a few. Her main focus is supporting youth, their parents, and other youth-focused organizations in the transition from adolescence to adulthood and helping other social workers utilize their current skills and abilities to social work differently. Through her podcast, Unlearned, we'll get into that later, okay. y'all. Don't, okay. don't speed ahead. You got to go through the whole episode. I'm ready. Through her podcast, Unlearned, she has made it her personal agenda to keep the uninformed informed about all things social work. She currently works for the State of Texas Social Services uh, Surveyor, where she has the privilege of investigating incidents and auditing long-term care facilities to ensure that the geriatric population are receiving the care they need. Welcome, Welcome. to our show. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you for having Wealth me. of information. Yes, ma'am. Oh, so like, oh, let's shit. get out. I know. Let's get into it. I know the nation, like we said, is kind of in shock and and just like I don't need, like I was moratoriums. Yeah, the- I was driving. I was literally driving when my when my husband told me, and I was just like. You know, I like jerked yeah. the car a little bit. I was Ooh. like, "What?" Just That's not happened. something you want to tell somebody in the sure. car drive. Well, for one, right? But hey, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. Well, not really because we go <laughs> well, into I don't know. what's when is it appropriate, right? What's appropriate? Well, given the fact that so I was actually in a um I just became a certified life coach. And so Ooh, congratulations. I was, thank you. you go. I was actually in class. We were doing like our eighth module. And so one of the girls in class was like, oh, my God, Kobe Bryant died. And I'm, you know, fake news. What are you talking about? Stop playing. And so um, then, you know, the Apple News, they sent a little notification. Obviously, everybody starts pulling up social media. And so then you start seeing multiple like um, reports that he's, you know, crashed in a helicopter and so he's no longer with us. And so we just kind of freaked. And so it was like, I guess when it was happening or as they were discovering it, because like maybe 30 minutes later, then there was a report that he was in the um, helicopter with his children. Then they confirmed that it wasn't all four children. It was just the one. And so it was surreal Um, because I'm not a um, sports fan. But I 
remember growing up, seeing him from when he got drafted to going to the Lakers and, you know, when he was on Moesha and he <laughs> took Brandy to prom. And yes, so it was kind of like, I, yes, I remember that. He yeah. was, I mean, even, you know, I know people, I, th- I still thought that was too soon, but when they brought up the whole um, case he had with in Colorado with the young lady yeah, they, yeah. and those allegations. And so, I, I mean, I remember seeing that. I remember it being on the news. And so it was like, oh my gosh. And after um, they reported that his 13-year-old daughter died in the crash with him, I think I just shut down and I told uh, my teacher, I said, I can't. Because I was like, I've got a child. He's 13 as well. Mm -hmm. And it was just something about that child element for me. I just shut down and I was like, I cannot do this today. And that was it for me. So, Gosh. But it's kind of like, well, as a parent, you you know, I I have multiple children, Mm -hmm. right? So, God forbid something like that happens. It's like, how do I... For one, I I think as Black women, we're, we're, we're kind of figured, tailored kind of sort of speak to say like, okay, well, this incident has happened. We need to be strong. We need to be brave and we need to move on and kind of carry the, that load for us, but we don't have to be. So it's just, I, I, I can't even imagine like, how do you begin to process even trying to tell the siblings what all has happened? Um, where do you, what do you do? What do you don't do? You're talking about as far as like, just death and being, okay, well, you know, in that particular situation, obviously, I mean, because the children were all varied ages. So they've had, I believe she was 17, the oldest was 17, then there was the 13-year-old, and then they've got the 3-year-old and, like, the 7-month-old. And so, kind of even, like, with the Nipsey Hustle thing, um, his son was so young that's going to be like, I, I believe, like a, a graduated conversation about like, this is who this individual was, especially even for those two youngest. The three-year-old, you know, give or take, she may have some, you know, memories and recollection of her father, but it's going to be, she didn't really know him, you know, because he's gone now. Um, and so I think for just a parent in that situation, you have to have like age-appropriate conversations with your children. Um, obviously, she's going to be looking for her father, the three-year-old. So then um, maybe she would want to have a conversation just like, you know, well, daddy's no longer here. And like um, his body stopped working or, you know, he was in an accident and really kind of go through like what that means in a very age-appropriate way um, that he won't be showing back up because there was an accident that took him away and took him away from us. And, you know, because they would want to be like, kids are kind of very, um, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but they would want to say like, well, is daddy coming back? Like, right. why wouldn't he come right. back? Very concrete. You know, like yeah. hide, hide and seek type of thing. Sure. Like, okay, you're gone, but I know I can find you. And so there, it's a very fine line of just kind of communicating that, okay, Daddy is gone. He's no longer here, but something happened that took daddy away from us forever. And just really kind of reiterating that, not that he's gone to a better place, because you do want to kind of get these kids, in my opinion, um, to a place where they can understand the realities of life. Because as they grow older, I see so many kids who, because they've been sheltered, and be, me being a sheltered child, um, you get into life, and when real life hits you, it's like, oh, wow, like this is the first time you've ever experienced anything that maybe dealt with loss or, you know, having to be really responsible. So I don't think it's appropriate to just kind of sugarcoat it. Okay. But at the same time, you just want to make sure that you let them know that this is a real a real situation mm-hmm. and he's not coming back um and just try to explain it to them like maybe use toys you know play therapy obviously is a very a real thing sure. um that a lot of kids that age would undergo and so you know, maybe use an example like uh, with the dolls or the you know stuffed animals or something saying hey um if something happened to Mr. Teddy Bear and he's no longer gone, he's not coming back so that they can just start to understand. I don't think it's going to be like a one and done type of conversation. Mm-hmm. But if you consistently just kind of get them to, you know, subtly understand that, hey, 
this happened. And unfortunately, there's nothing that I can do or you can do to bring him back. And then if there's a, you're spiritual, you know, if you have a, you believe in God or, you know, whatever, if there's a spiritual component, then you obviously would incorporate that as well because you don't want your child at any level or any age, especially for the older kids to internalize that. And, you know, like sometimes I know I grew up in church every Sunday. And so if something bad like this happens, then it's one of those things where, well, why would God do this? Or why would this happen? If God was so great, then, and you have to be, I feel like part of the parenting piece is you have to know your kids Mm -hmm. and you have to know how they process emotions. And so if you're in tune with your kids, I think that as the parent, you'll know how to tailor that conversation to each child beyond just it being age appropriate, because it's no different than I see family members fall out all the time when a loved one dies. Some people don't want to go to the funeral. And then, you know, you got the brother or sister over here that's upset and angry because they're like, well, you're being disrespectful. No, that's just how I process grief. You can't project your emotions and how you would deal with things on other people. Mm -hmm. So the same thing with parents especially with having four and five or three, you know, different children. They've all got different personalities. And so know your kid, figure out what's appropriate based on their age, but also their personality and tailor those conversations as such. That would be my recommendation as far as how to talk to a child about death. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What age did you start talking to your son about? death and he's he's how old he's 13 now okay um kevin was maybe about four wow five and again because i don't know when we were talking out there i was telling you i started talking to him about you know sex and stuff at that age just as far as like you know what's appropriate as far as touching Mm -hmm. and because they're still um regardless of how old you are i believe that There's just, I guess when you're talking about like from a spiritual aspect or just like that gut feeling, you know when something feels right or feels wrong. And I feel like children are the same way. Mm -hmm. And so it's a matter of if they have a, a positive outlet. And so if they're being touched in a sense, but they don't feel that they can say anything because of fear and that just is a constant theme that's perpetuated, then they will maybe go on and become a victim of said abuse for 10, 15, 20 years. And then, you know, we're, you know, 20 years down the road, we're finding out that this person was molested and it started at like four and five. So um, with him, as far as speaking with him about death, um, there was a death on his dad's side. And so they chose not to take him, but I still just kind of had just a very generic conversation. I, you know, I was just like, well, hey, you know, um, you know, uncle so-and-so passed away. Um, and so, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? I said, well, they're no longer here. Um, they were sick because kids understand sick, you know, but maybe not in a sense of like deathly ill or a hospitalization type of sick, mm-hmm. but they understand, okay, I've got a cold or, you know, I don't feel good. My head hurts. My tummy hurts. So just say, um, like they, he was sick, but it was something where he didn't get better. And so kind of just... I kind of just left it at that as far as, like, if he had questions, then I would answer those questions. But it wasn't—because it wasn't something that was, like, somebody was close to him, you know, like, it was, like, a just a a family member. Okay. But not, like, an immediate family member. Then I feel like he processed it, and he understood it just in the context for what it was. Like, this is somebody who was ill. They got sick. Your your dad and your stepmom, they're going to go to their funeral— And then I explained to him, like, what a funeral was. Um, Like, it's basically like a ceremony, a a ritual, Mm -hmm. if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, Just to understand the context, like, there are certain things when we're sad, um, when we even think about, like, okay, when your birthday comes around, people typically have birthday parties. Mm -hmm. That's kind of ceremonial, right? Mm -hmm. We buy cakes, we decorate, people get dressed up or whatever. And so with a funeral, when someone is no longer with us, Ask them, like, okay, this is your favorite toy. If mommy took it away and you could no longer play with it, how would you feel? Oh, well, I would be sad. Okay, well, Mm. this person is no longer here. Mm -hmm. Okay, they were sick. And so this sickness took them away from us forever. 
because they understand more so the permanency of forever. And so because that person's no longer here, your stepmom and your dad, they're going to be sad. And it's going to take them maybe a moment for them to get past it. But just like you would be sad if I took away your favorite toy, your favorite game, this is how we feel. We're sad. And so then at that point, you say, well, they're going to church. They're going to a, a, a service to celebrate their person's life. And so they're going to even though they're sad, they're going to try to, you know, have a joyous moment and just kind of, you know, detail it in that sense so that he just has a better understanding of what it is. Because I, I don't think that it's right for your child to, and again, parenting is is multifaceted, so different strokes for different folks. But I personally don't feel like it's um, beneficial for your child to get to 12 or 13 and then they suffer a loss, maybe close to home, like a parent or a sibling. And that's like the first time that you've ever had any type of conversation with them about death. Wow. I think that yeah. that could be... Yeah. Um, more traumatic. It's actually. more traumatic and yeah. it's much more difficult for them to process and deal with it. Mm -hmm. Especially if they have no real concept. Because, I mean, I know people that are like grown and they've, you know, 40, 50 years old, parent leaves and they are totally mm -hmm. out of here. They can't function. And so I think I, I can, I feel like that's my experience. Well, I, not well, that I can't function. Sorry. No, no, right, no. Right, right. But no, I'm but, like, I didn't really have an experience of death until I was like 13. And the death. Not even a pet. No, like. I'm just, but, you know. Because I feel like, like that's another intro. Well, right? that is, that is. But to me, I always felt like. It it wasn't on the same level. Or I guess I I guess my view on how I viewed animals and pets is differently okay. than okay. than how I did humans. So yeah, I mean I've had fish die. You know I knew what that looked like. They float up to the top. You know I've had birds die, but it was just like all right. Well, I just get another fish. I get another bird. You know what I mean? Like I see what it you're was. Saying. It, it, I didn't have you any, couldn't get another auntie, uncle, cousin, whatever. Yeah, but even and in that sense, you know the person that died, it was a distant. Mm -hmm. relative. relative and you know I just went to the funeral because you know we had to whatever but my first first experience of like somebody very close to me dying I was a I was like a teenager mm -hmm. I was a teenager almost yeah and then I didn't have anything you know then and then the next like serious death of somebody close to me was like I was in my mid-20s yeah. so it was just kind of like you know, when I was 13, I was a distant person. So it was kind of like out of sight, out of mind. And mm -hmm. I didn't have any real connection to right. that. But yeah, I could totally understand and relate to to that sense. Like, how do you how do you even process that, you know? And that's the thing, kind of like what you just said, even because that's, a, I think, with pets. Yeah. I think that is an appropriate time to talk about death, regardless yeah. of how the child processes it. But just like what you said, you didn't, you know, it was kind of like, oh, well, you know, it's a pet and you were okay with it, right? Yeah. Versus some kids, they might have totally been laid out somewhere because their pet frog or Absolutely. pet hamster is gone. Dogs mm -hmm. are family, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, after, you know, so... I've had friends who've had dogs die, and it was it was a part of them. So I I, I can understand that, but I mm -hmm. guess um, it's just a matter of like how you know. I guess it I didn't have that you. kind of yeah. It depends I mean, on your personality. I'm, I'm just cold hearted. Yeah. No, <laughs> it does though. No, it no, no. Let me tell you guys. My mom passed away when I was 19, and so she had been sick. And mind you, I'm an only child, and so when she passed away, um. It was hurtful, but I look looking back, she her death affected and impacted my aunt much more than it did me. Oh. So my aunt, my mom was born in 49. My aunt was, what, 54. So they were five years apart. Mm -hmm. She was the baby. There was a total of four of them. Long and short, um, my grandmother passed away when my mom, I believe, was also 19, and then my aunt was 15. Oh, my so gosh. My, my mother was the oldest, okay? So she pretty much became, you know, like that 
responsible parent mother role. And so when my mother passed away, for her, she kind of just stopped. And um, I honestly, I did not deal with my mom's death and I didn't start processing it until 2016. She, so we are Jasper, Texas, East Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, of course, she was buried there. That's where, you know, all my family is. And so I didn't go to her grave. We went, maybe I want to say 2014, but I went with like my aunt and then my great aunt. And so it was all about my auntie. She just got out there and you would have thought, my mama died like two days ago. The sure. way she was just out there just crying. Still processing. And yes. Wow. So I didn't actually go by myself, and I went with my cousin. Um, we went together in 2016. That's when I graduated with my master's. And I went out there, and that is honestly, I can tell you guys, when I started to understand that it bothered me. Can we talk about that? When yes. you say it bothered you. Can you, uh-huh. what is that? So, for years, around Mother's Day, because there's there's a thing called triggers. That's why you always see all these, um, you know, like, posts and memes or, you know, just whatever around the holidays. It's specifically mm-hmm. yes, yes, because yes. the holidays can be a trigger for a lot of people. And again, you know, it could be that person's birthday or just around the time of year that they passed away that people just get triggered. My mom died in August, but for me, Mother's Day, I would be a whole B-I-T-C-H. I was rude. I had the funkiest of funky attitudes, and I didn't want to be around anybody. I I remember I used to go to church sometimes, you know, during Mother's Day service and just be sitting there like, you know, like whatever. Mm. Did not understand that until like 2016, when I was getting up to get ready, and I was like, I'm not going to church. And so something just made me play. Um, there was a song called Misty Blue that my mom always yeah. used to listen to. That was like her favorite song. I sat on the edge of my bed and bawled like a whole baby. But it was like, I think that was my first time realizing, like, oh my God, I have not dealt with my mother's death. And, you know, it's surreal to me because it's like, okay, she passed away in 2003. So it's been a whole, yeah, 12, you know, 13 13 years. years. Yeah, that's, yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm grown. But, you know, I started seeing a counselor maybe a year ago. But one of the things is you have to realize that, like, your coping skills work until they don't, Right. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Say it again. Say it again. Let them know. Let them know. So your coping skills, they work until they just don't. So like, I was fine. I mean, because it took maybe about two or three years after my mom passed before I actually started speaking about her in the context like she was passed away. So you wouldn't even know. Like, if you just came up to me and, you know, we got to know each other, you would just assume, because, you know, no one just assumes, like, oh, your parents are gone, right? Yeah. That's something that I would have to tell you. Sure. I would. It would never come up. Mm-hmm. I would just speak about my mom, like, in the present tense as if she was still here. So looking back, I realized, like, that was kind of like my way of dealing with her death. I never, ever talked about her in the past tense. I never talked about like, oh, my mom is no longer here. It was years before I even kind of came to that. So by the time I got to, what, 2016, I'm 36 now. So what is that, 32, 33? Mm -hmm. um, Stuff started to kind of break down and I started getting dismantled. And I didn't realize mm. it until, like, December of 2018 when I finally was like, all right, you got to go see a counselor, wow. girl, because this is not working. But 2016, stuff started breaking down. I got a um, chronic illness, very similar to what she had. Oh. Um, for all other, not to, but SHIT hit the fan. You know what no. I'm saying? You, you can you good. Okay. You good. Good. No, no. Well, I'm shit hit the fan for me. free space. Okay. Shit hit the fan, and things just got bad. And so when I say, you know, my coping skills didn't work, I mean, it's going back to how people process death. You, people 
cope the way that they do, whether they use mechanisms such as drugs, alcohol, sex, um, or, you know, they're guarded or, you know, they are raving maniac. There's, if you don't have a positive outlet and you don't recognize and understand like where to put this feeling and this emotion, your actions are going to be all over the place, just depending on, you know, what you got going on. And I mean, for most African-Americans, I tell you right now, (laughs) just say it, (laughs) we don't have positive outlets. And so we feel like we're kind of siloed off because if I'm sitting over here and I am like, depressed or I feel like I'm going batshit crazy. I can tell y'all so many stories. If if I feel like I'm about to just go off the handle, can I really pick up my phone and call my grandmother or my mother or my father or my sister or my brother and say, yo, I'm feeling like I'm about to go off the handle. Primetime example. When I had my son, mm-hmm. postpartum was a very real thing. And you had your son after your mother had passed, just yes, timeline-wise. Yes, in 2006. Okay. Into, okay. And so it was just me. And so... Oh, she about to... She already... She look talking it. to me, though. Look at me. But back it up. I'm the only child. Um, my relationship with my oh, wow. dad is right. not... We don't have a relationship. And so giving context to my situation when I had my son, my... Family, you know, I always say when people die, it brings the worst and the best out in people. And so the worst came out. And so my family was upset with me because I decided to stay in school and complete my spring semester instead of staying home when my mom had asked. Now, mind you, I was 17 when I graduated high school and 18 by the time I finished my fall semester, my first freshman year. Yeah. You ain't thinking at 17, 18, your mama gonna die. No, that's not. That's not even a a thought. Like, she was sick. Don't get me wrong. So what I did was, my mom, you know, I had a car. Did you know it was like a terminal illness at the time? It Was was it explained to you as a terminal illness? No. Like, no. People just just said that she was sick. She was in the hospital. Did she let anybody know it was a terminal illness? Yes. Well, you know, I don't know. because, And I I asked that because I kind of went through a similar thing. My mom didn't pass away when I was in high school. Um, it was actually after I had graduated undergrad. Okay. But I, I asked that question because my mother and my father, I know they're not here to, to you know, say anything about mm-hmm. it, but they they agreed and they told my sister and I, mm-hmm. do not tell anybody mm-hmm. that it is a terminal That's illness. That's terrible. Wow, really? Oh, yes. That's, I yeah. know half of my family is listening and don't care either. Because, so, yeah, they, this is, I'm not saying anything, but this is true. Yeah. They didn't want, they actually didn't even really want anyone to know where she was going to be laid right. to rest. I, you know what? At the time, I didn't know how to come back mm-hmm. and, like, yeah, sh- you're, process that. Mm, it's a whole lot to that, though. I, yeah, and I I feel like I I've, I've recollect telling my sister, this ain't right. Someone else has got to know but you, but that this know, is terminal. So I think what we end up doing, we like, you know, you could text folks. That's not, you know, we ain't that old, but I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> we could, like, we were able to message certain elders. Yes. And advise them that this is a thing. Like, this mm-hmm. is a thing that you may want to perhaps get some flight tickets. Oh, wow. Mm, okay. Oh, wow. Because, you know, she doesn't, not everyone lives, like, yeah, the people right, that we were. Right. Or you may want to pick up a phone, like, this or is. Or you, you need to take some vacation. This is, right, this right, is, right. this is something. This is a thing. Wow. So that's the reason why I asked you, did you know? And I, and I say that because some of our listeners probably have gone through or are about to go through um, not knowing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's being hidden from them. So I think for my mother, and then, and it's just, man, I'm telling y'all, y'all got me just thinking now. But Look, I don't like I think for my mom, because I found out after I was her third pregnancy, she had miscarried twice. So I was the golden child. And so 
she wanted to have children, though, it, it, by any means necessary. And so um, I really think for her, you know, that strong black woman yeah. case yes. that we need to just throw in the trash? Yes. Burn it. <laughs> um, I feel like even in sickness and death, that's what she wanted to be. Because I even remember. Yes. What? See? That, that, yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember that. my aunt was so pissed when she passed because she was but her grieving like this was her sister her only sister and this is somebody who helped raise her after my grandmother passed away so this is all she knew but she could not for the life understand why even in her she's dying why she was so concerned about her child because mind you my aunt has no children and so she couldn't understand it and so I mind you I'm finding all this stuff out after sure. of course yeah of course and That's how I'm always like is. you know I knew my mom was a helicopter mom and she was this but she really was the conversation that she had with my aunt and apparently Kevin's dad um when oh. she was dying was yeah see yeah, yeah. yeah. We, you go ahead you go no, no, you said, no no you go ahead no. go ahead this is this is what, what I see but on, she was so concerned she she told my aunt she said I'm scared for my child. You know, what have I done? Is she going to be okay? Because she knew, my mama knew she raised a spoiled, rotten, <laughs> reliable, only on her type of, like I was a brat. And that's all I knew. So all of my life experience and having to learn how to be a grown woman and adult, I feel like I still struggle was because she, I mean, she did everything. And so I don't think that she ever thought that she wouldn't be here for me. Mm -hmm. So when she was taken away, and I guess when she finally came to, you know, like, okay, this is it. This, there is no coming back from this. Then she just kind of went, you know how we go into a nesting mode after we, when we're getting ready to have our children and we yes. just want everything to be. I think she just, she couldn't do anything but just have the conversation and ask and just keep talking about what's going to happen with my daughter. Is she going to be okay? How is she going to fare in life? Because I do believe that she had a moment where she realized that she ill-equipped me for the real world. Point period. So let's 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 pause that real quick. You said you touched on something. She did not prepare you. No. Which is why I parent my child. The exact opposite. Wow. I don't get me wrong. No, I no, have some I, tendencies. I, I wasn't. I, I think. We, we I think I was. I guess I was prepared, but not prepared. Did that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, and because it was a, we knew that this was coming. Mm -hmm. What do you advise your patients, your clients? When it's in a prepared situation, what are you, what is something that a parent can do, or what are I I don't know what the steps are. What do you what do you suggest if when it's planned, unplanned? So you know that's a different question. So what do I advise a parent to, to do? do? Yeah, when I... when they've learned that say a close relative, um, the illness or a situation is imminent, how do they prepare the child? Okay, so I can actually speak from a little bit of experience. Um, I have an autoimmune illness, scleroderma. Um, it is a rheumatic disease, and it's similar to lupus, but this is more vascular. So it essentially um, can serve to take me out. I mean, because, you know, obviously with most autoimmune illnesses, they tell you there's no cure, right? Um, but obviously there's things that you can do, like make some health, dietary changes, stuff like that to make it better. Um, with my son, I will have those conversations with him. Um, I won't be here forever. Um, I, I really want you to do X, Y, and Z because, you know, and, and more so from just like, I want to give you all that I have, every fiber of me so that you can go forth and be great and do better than what mommy did. I feel like when you know that you have some type of a terminal diagnosis that's going to take you out at whatever time frame, obviously, yes, try to live life to the fullest, but Sit your children down, especially when they age appropriate, especially when they're, you know, maybe teenagers or young adults or even grown, 
right? Because mm-hmm. there's no uh, age limit, I don't think, for the loss of a loved one. But whether you 65 and got 30-year-old or if you, you know, 35 and have, you know, a 10 and 8-year-old, sit them down and have a conversation about, hey, this is what's going on. And be vulnerable. I mean, because that's where I think this whole journey is leading me. I'm a control freak, and I don't like to be vulnerable. And so when you are vulnerable and you say, hey, this is what this is all that I got. This is the information. I'm sharing it with you, but I don't know what's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. The doctors really don't know. I mean, again, if you're spiritual, if you, you know, you, you're Christian, whatever, you believe in God— Add that element in there as well, but be transparent with them and let them know, hey, this is what's going on. Then start having that financial conversation because you need to be planned out. I'm tired of us dying with GoFundMes to bury our loved ones. We Don't look at me. GoFundMe cannot She's talking to some folks out there. But just we need to have our life insurance policies in place. Um, if you have multiple children, no different than what I just said. You know your kids. You know who's going to be the responsible one. You know who's the one that, See? you know, Kiki going to have to look out because... Because Kiki can't be touching the Because no, Daryl ain't going to get it she together. Oh, no. You yeah. know. You know. And so... I was like, families get split apart over some $5,000. Don't you know that? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Mm-hmm. But you even still, like, even and if, if you, you... don't have it written out, it's... It's a mess. They falling out. They are right. And if you have, if yeah, you it, are um blessed enough to have, you know, assets, you need to have those conversations. And, and you know, the medical power of attorney. Yep. Who's yes. gonna make those decisions? If you don't wanna uh be um uh, uh full code and you wanna be a DNR, Ooh, let yes. people know. <laughs> Testimony on that. So my my, my dad did do that. He yes. have like, it's pages upon pages. And they had done this when my mom was terminal. Ill. Mm-hmm. So, but when it came time for him, we had to go and update it. Mm, okay. And that's the other thing. So, I I 150% agree with you. And for those parents that are trying to deal with the elders or what have you, you got to even make sure it's updated and make sure but all siblings or anybody whose name is mentioned in there gets a copy Yes. I'm looking right at the camera. Y'all, I'm just saying, because yes. you're going to have the Kikis and the Daryls, like, not, you know, yes. not knowing or being in that situation. And, and it just needs to be a very transparent, mm-hmm. vulnerable, real conversation. And update them as they know. Like, if you go and your blood work comes back that, you know, the disease has progressed or they do some type of test and now, you know, they thought that the medicine was working, but it's not, whatever. Let your people know. I mean, there's no benefit to leaving them ill-prepared and shocked you know, especially in your situation where it was like, oh, well, we we don't want to tell anybody that you're terminally ill. You know, to me, there, there's that's selfish. Mm-hmm. And so you have to think about your loved ones post-mortem and while they're still here dealing with the grief of your loss. Like, that's unfair because it's already enough to deal with the loss of a loved one. And everybody's timetable as far as how they move forward is different. And like I said, everybody's coping skills is different. Don't add the extra trauma on because you done sat here and you wanted to sit in silence because you don't want nobody to know that you're sick because you got too much pride to say that you're sick. Like, that's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense, but that's... Honestly, I hate to say it. I hate to say it. Yeah. This is how Black people are hardwired. But why? Hardwired. You know? Just hard. like you, I know you rolled. <laughs> she rolled she, she eyes hard. Rolled them, <laughs> but again, like you mentioned, we're multifaceted. Not to say that it's right or wrong. You know, this is this is where we this is the space where we need to air out these grievances, right? So in that case, like you know, like you said, your mom wants to be that superwoman, even in death, right? right? In her mind, in her life, I don't know. But the logic, it makes sense. But it don't make sense, mom. You know, I'm trying to protect you. Protect me from what? I'm trying to protect you, but 
you as the outsider looking at me, your my my protection, quote unquote, is bringing trauma, and we don't understand that. We don't know how to no clue process. So we're talking about you know you get upset and you want to call somebody to to help you vent. But the person on the other line, that family member, don't know how to process it either. So it, it goes like, you know, how does how do you how do it's it's layers upon layers upon layers, right? Yeah. So it's like, how do you start? What do you do? Like so, how do you breathe? Okay. Well, okay, so <laughs> so I always tell, and people sometimes they'll be like, oh, I always tell people, especially us, we can learn a lot. From our white brothers and sisters. Period. We can't. They grieve better? Is there is that such a thing? Uh, no. It's not about grieving better. They are better equipped and better prepared for situations such as this. Um, the way they handle business, the way they deal with one another, you know, from the boardroom to the bedroom, even. Even when you talk about marriage. I'm not saying that it's right, but we could learn a lot from how they do certain things. To me, sometimes, and I know this is not a popular opinion, but I feel like, and this is a whole other topic, so this I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I feel like, like you said, we're hardwired, but every time somebody throw the race card out there, we just get so riled up, and we can't see anything else and I feel like you know we don't um we don't process anything we don't take time for ourselves to learn we don't take time for ourselves to really understand what all this really means you know like I mean it, we joke about oh that's what white folks do oh that's what this person does that but you know if you really just take the race piece out of it and just look at it for what it is could that better serve us I mean, think about it. You know, you said, like, historical trauma is a real thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and I feel like... It, it's a real His, thing. Historical trauma is a real thing. Slavery trauma is a real thing. Yes. Um, Civil rights movement is still young. You know, it's only 60... Yeah. It's, only, it's only been 60 years since we've... You know, had but what do you it, suggest quote, unquote, we do? Equality because the family I, I mean, unit and is I'm not, broken. I'm not using it as as it's not a crutch. Um, it just like any behavior, any learned behavior, it takes time. Um, I don't know, you know, and it's not something that happens overnight, right? No, no, you know no, what I mean? No. Like so, and I think it's the same thing in regards to coping with death. Huh? Yeah, because you just said. What did you just say? It's not overnight. It's not overnight. And she just said, well, not just said, but, but yeah, yeah. earlier on, it was like, what, thir yes. 13 years before, yeah. like, I won't say epiphany, but like the trigger of your mom and you just bawled out. Like before it was like, she's in present day. Oh, yeah, mom. Yeah, my mom, mom and I do this. Mom and I did that. Or yeah, we used to, yeah we go over you know like as if mom was like right there like you about to call her you know I have yet to delete my dad's number out of my phone you know that's it takes time mm -hmm. I think though we can also do a better job though with our kids by having this conversation because you know everything we just have too many taboo type or taboo related issues in the black community seriously we do i mean we don't want to talk about sex we don't want to talk about everybody's having it we don't want to talk about really marriage we don't want to talk about how we raising our kids i mean because honestly marriage conversation just is okay well find a husband find a wife that's it and be equally oh, yoked equally yoked right okay and don't have sex before marriage but everybody's doing it you know and we just, we, we, we don't want to talk about anything. We don't want to talk about mental health. We don't want to talk about the ramifications or the consequences of sexual molestation. We don't talk, want to talk about homosexuality. We don't want to talk about nothing. Like, legit, we don't want to talk about anything. But we, that's how come we can't do nothing? <laughs> well, that you said a word. <laughs> but we don't want to talk about anything. And it's like, well, hell. Well, and so the point is, I guess oh. somebody has to break 
the, the silence, cycle. The Break cycle. the chain. Break it. Somebody has. So you almost really have to invite, if yes. you're, I guess, how this animosity or angst or whatever feelings you have, bringing in a counselor, I guess, to mediate. Or not necessarily mediate, but like to help encourage a conversation. Yes. Almost. Well, you know, people are don't like therapists or counselors. I was going to say, in the home, how, you know, how, if you're going to have, you can't be, I can't bring her, you know what I mean, on Tuesday, you know. I don't know. I don't know what your your insurance policy looks like. I don't know what your insurances look like. That's, I feel like, you know, as many of us are studying, (laughs) I feel like as many of us are studying, I feel like every time I turn around, there's like at least a few of us that are studying in the field of therapy. It's somebody, it's got to be somebody in the family. Somebody, somebody. You're right. So this you're right. Is, at this okay. point, right? Oh, yeah. Let's yeah. say new age. Like, somebody age. or somebody. We using FaceTime. You over here recording up. Like, come on. Like. So here's the thought process that a friend and I have had. She has an organization. Um, she just graduated her doctorate in social work. And so it's the advocacy zone. And so what we are looking to hopefully do is go to churches. Because, you know, our community, we. Ten toes down for Jesus, okay? And so now we gonna have a. Co- that's another Her conversation. Because I saw your face. I love it. <laughs> you know, you know, you from the south when you use an analogy like that. <laughs> Continue. Okay, but you, we are ten toes down for Jesus. But the the thing is, because therapy is a very personal situation, and you also, as a a um, clinician, therapist, counselor, whatever, you have to. Um, be careful about just spewing out general information because everybody is different. So your therapy needs are different from hers and different from mine. So that's a, a responsibility. That's the whole point why we have, you know, our licenses and our code of ethics that we must adhere to because Understood. mental health is very sensitive, yes. right? Fragile thing. However, what we were proposing to do was kind of like this podcast, right? Going to churches. Let's talk about supporting ourselves through grief, supporting ourselves through loss, divorce, raising kids, doing all of these things, and having a resource or referral, right, Mm -hmm. of licensed practitioners, clinicians, counselors, that if you, because, I mean, it's kind of like the whole thing, um, you get help when you're ready. You can't force therapy onto people, but it'll potentially trigger something in the congregation. Like, maybe you don't want to say anything right then and there, but you know what's going on. All hell is breaking loose in your household at home. You don't want to say anything, of course, in front of your congregation, but maybe it's a side conversation. Maybe you send an email or a text or whatever and say, hey, can I get that information? Or do you have a therapist or a counselor? Mm -hmm. And then you take it upon yourself to seek the, the counseling that you need. But some people, I feel like, are operating in dysfunction but it's normal. You know what I'm saying? So it's just normal. Like, that's, you don't Functional know. Functional dysfunction. Yes. Well, as you I don't said, know. You, don't, you don't know what you don't know, though. Right. And you just out here living just, life, thinking and, everything's and, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of the concept with that we thought, because you do have to meet people where they are. And black folks ain't just jumping on them, you know, getting in their car like, I'm going to go see my therapist today. You yes, know. I am. <laughs> uh, well, I, let me say this. There's, We're getting better. Thank you. We are getting better. Are getting better. <laughs> but we not just, you know, like, yes, I need to see my therapist side. Yes, you know, I we ain't just I totally, yeah. popping oh, yeah. in for the therapist. Because <laughs> as, as, we, as we've, you know, said in previous episodes, you know, we don't want, we don't want everybody to know our business. We don't know. We don't want to be judged. We want to constantly wear the cape. We want da-da-da, this and that and the third. And you know what I mean? We don't want to we don't want to lose. Yeah. Well, you don't want to lose friendship. It's also like putting on airs. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. You still want to maintain this virtual status if you will this or facade status of facade. But in- whatever facade it, that you're trying to portray cuz you're coping. Um, now, coping, thank you. It's that a coping is a coping mechanism. 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 Yes. Being um what we used to call it. What was that song back in the day? Hood Rich? I oh. still I still Refer to the words of the rich, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, but we do. There's this this facade, and I feel like social media uh, is is really really bad 
for certain groups of people because it perpetuates this whole status and, you know, I'm flexing and I'm this and you ain't got nothing going on. You know, you are really broken and tattered and and shattered and everything else. But you literally, we, we, there's this, I don't know what it is. There's this, this need to be, I guess in a sense, if you think about it, at our very core, people need people and we're very social, right? But we're searching for it in all the wrong places, all the wrong spots, and we're going about things differently. And we're not addressing, we're not taking time to tend to our mental health. We're just not, we're not doing it. And so that's why it's difficult for people to process death. Um, You know, there's the thing about like, I know you guys have talked about this because I just feel like y'all have. Where how Ooh. black women, how we raise our children, we we baby our boys, but then we raise our girls to be. We kind of touched kinda, on it yeah, a little bit. Yeah, we we have we've done some different super soldier, yeah, yeah. super black woman, like you know, and it's just where does all this come from? Historic history, slavery, historical trauma. I, I hate to. I in February, the month of you know. You know, it, it 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 that's what it boils back down to. They did a number on us, as I you know, I they liked it. Did but they, so then, but again, but, like, what do we do? Like I said, somebody. I, I like. I, I almost like, feel like the churches need to, like, you know how they have like the the text to give. I almost feel like they need to have like a text line, like, you know, if you need to talk to somebody about whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm sure it's like a quick special I word agree. for it, if you will, and then you text. Um, it'll pop back. Um, I don't know some type of questionnaire or something. We need we need three questions. I know I probably just create a whole new business no, for somebody. There is an is app there? That, there is an app out there already. What's it called? Okay, look, look while you while you're while you're um researching called, live, it, not even because I I have it on quick. It's called Uper. <laughs> Spell y- it for the people. Y o u p e r. Oh, we gonna yes. put that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah never that would be kind of cool. Yep. And then it. Yep. <laughs> so it's it's so, essentially it it starts it starts as it like text message. How are you feeling today? Oh. You know, and it gives you three options. Uh, I'm okay. Like good morning, hello weekend. How are you? Right. And then you type in I'm feeling or I'd like to meditate, and yeah. it says I'm feeling. It gives you a whole bunch of options. You know. You're feeling, I don't know, I'm overwhelmed, right? Okay. At what level are you overwhelmed? Oh, I mean, okay. I, I mean, and I found it on another like black girl, like Facebook. How much be, is that posh? Um they did not sponsor this episode. I know. We're just girl. giving you resources. I'm just giving I know, and <laughs> I love it so much. That I, you you know what, you write. But they do need to contact you write, us. You write, you write. <laughs> but um I put that out there in the universe. Uh it does ask and whatnot, but I love it. Okay. Um, and I don't. Youper. I personally don't go to it as often because I go to a therapist. Um, I'm saying, but, no, that's wonderful. But um, but it's a good, I guess, additional good, supplement though too. Yeah. But that would be a good like thing. You know how they always pop up. Oh, if you're, you know, if there's a child with, uh, if your kid is acting up or something's going on in the nursery, like you get your number, yeah, you know, yeah, popped yeah. up or text to give, but, but something like, where I, it's I, like, I, like maybe they have a list of therapist or yeah. whatever that they know like that are local because you know some folks are trying to do the local thing and it's like oh if you text you know just this number text whatever and not do and, and, and do it year round right because just leave know, it up there and just every like, just like how our schools will send us if we're part of the um you know class dojo or uh, the text message of programs mm-hmm. like whatever church you might be affiliated with mm-hmm. you know they can start sending things like that just mm-hmm. i don't know bi-weekly you know just you know what i'm saying just yeah. to let it out so you are on you know i'm like that's a good idea listeners who have close connections to these neighborhood churches i'm I just saying you, know, you need to uh speak the word especially those who like to be progressive churches and yeah try to do that thing i like that yeah. and, and hire some clinicians especially in the for the kids you know yeah I, i'm sure there'd be more than enough clinicians that would be willing to like you know donate a day volunteer, you know, not a day, but, you know, X yeah. hours. We all got to make a living. I get it. You know what I'm saying? But right. And do you feel, um, maybe this is just me feeling this way, 
that we've removed such counselors from our schools too quick. Like, I feel like it's been cut from many schools and systems. And so that way, the kids don't have anyone to go to while they're in school to have a conversation when they are ready. Or is that just me thinking that? Maybe they brought them back are in. Are you, so like... On a regular basis, not think, just when a tragedy happens. No, yes, no, I no. know they bring I think, the No, like, so like when in. you, you know, when you went to school, did you have that resource at your school? Because I didn't. We have counselors, school counselors, to advise us on classes and college. Had that. But nothing like the social emotional component. I feel like it was it. more when I was in elementary school. I never had any. But then like when that. I got to high school, that's the counselors that were cut. But maybe it's just me. And maybe well, that needs makes to be sense. a thing. It makes because perfect we bring sense. in counselors when there's something that happens regarding that school. Like you know when, yeah, a, when a, tragedy. a tragedy happens regarding that school. Yeah. So the one thing that I learned in my education thus far is that the hardest thing to get funding for is preventative. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I, I don't know enough about that to comment one way or the other just because I'm not in the school system. But I feel like you said that because, you know, it, it, there, there is, I think, a certain um, truth maybe to that. But I wouldn't be surprised because much like the teachers who are, you know, obviously they're teaching the test a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Kids really ain't learning a whole, whole lot, unfortunately, just because of uh, the state, you know, wants this, that, and the third done. I can see how that component is being left out and more so detrimental for, because I've heard, now I have heard horror stories, um, especially like in lower uh, income neighborhoods, I mean, the multi-layers. I've volunteered one year. They had the ready by 200 or something like that. Anyway, it was an initiative to get all the um, kids up to a uh, reading level by the third grade. So I volunteered and did that. I remember talking to some teachers, and they were just like, <laughs> you know, that's only part of our problem. I said, first, we got to deal with the child that's hungry. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's all these different layers and components that you got to get to before you can even get to the learning piece of the child. And so I can see how that's necessary. It's more so when you're talking about the lower income neighborhoods. Yeah. Because they those kids are dealing with layers of crap at home before they even get to the damn bus stop in the morning to get to right. school. Right. And so that would make sense. But Someone's got to fund it. Well, on a conspiracy (laughs) theory level, right? Um, uh, The, uh, what is it? The prison, school to prison pipeline and, you know, all that stuff. I'm just saying. I mean, there's, capitalism works because there's an underdog. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. Capitalism works because there's a have and a have not. There's a less than. And so as long as you're able to keep a group of people um, disenfranchised and oppressed, impoverished, below the socioeconomic, you know, and you increase the uh, income wealth gap, as long as you're able to do that, then that upper 1%, they can continue to thrive. Mm-hmm. And we, this is America and I don't know a time where we've ever not been capitalistic. Right. right. So, so, yeah. Yeah. Which I is guess why I, that's And so I think, hard. like, to... I guess my other question, um, not so much to the capitalism point, but I guess <laughs> to the death point, is just um, how do you, you know, how do you go about, or do you think it is appropriate to show emotion while you're discussing death with your kids say like like you meant like you mentioned earlier you started balling you know when when misty blue started playing your son maybe what if he walked in like you know what would you say next um i actually um would tell him because what i noticed about myself um is that i'm much more like my aunt than i would ever like to admit um because she's very cold 
person. And I am very, um, he, you know, the whole love language thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's touch all day. Touchy feely. Just, he got the mm, love on you. Just, I want to touch you. And I am not that way at all. I don't be wanting or whatever, but I also feel like that comes out in me expressing emotions. So I have to make a conscious effort to be transparent. And I think that, especially in the age that they're growing up in, all they see, in my opinion, is one thing or one type of emotion, especially on social media. So it's beneficial to him and to me in our relationship for me to be vulnerable and show those emotions and explain them and say, I'm mad because of this or I'm sad because of this and add the context to it so that he can have that aha moment or process it when he walks out the door and he encounters it or experiences it from somebody else. So I'm 110% for expressing emotions. Okay. Yeah. I'm with it. This is good. This has been a very spirited discussion. Y'all better stop talking about talking to your no. kids. <laughs> but I love it. No, but yeah. I mean the point. The you know, as we mentioned, the kind of the take home point is really as a no as a generation, I guess. You know. Oh yeah. As zennials, <laughs> you yeah. know but the sandwich generation. The sandwich generation. I'm still gonna say Oregon Trail. Or man, listen. That I'm telling you, <laughs> groundbreaking. <laughs> They don't know. That's a whole different episode. Like, We're gonna do one on that. Not but Atari. Okay. Look at me. Not Atari. What is it? Um. Um. No, Ashley has died all... from whooping cough. You know. Yeah. Uh, or cholera. <laughs> and did you feel sad? <laughs> see, that's the other. See, that's the thing. You know, like you still had emotions because that was you. Don't because y'all. You it was lower level ox. emotions. Like you know what I mean. Like it started that. Understand? But you me. lost three ox when you was trying to get the ferry. Man, and then how'd you feel about losing the ox? Man, you were sad because you knew y'all wasn't gonna. Yes. Pissed, pissed <laughs> off because you can't go back and go get three ox, y'all. Where? 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 <laughs> that's hilarious. But the point being, let's break play the chain. Therapy. Play therapy. <laughs> right, play therapy. Okay, to that point, right? Break the chain. <laughs> so but I think, I okay. think, I think generations like us and maybe, you know, and younger are are trying to be a little bit more um open to having conversations and breaking the change, do you think? I agree, I agree with that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, and being creative about it different way, like you, like you were saying before, seeing what other brothers and sisters of that are not African American, yeah. how are they? How do they grieve? Oh, well, that, that is that a way? That, or how do you cope? Like looking at different ways. So, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think that's definitely a point, key point that I've learned. Um, talking to be age appropriate you don't have to use big words you know break it down to their understanding um and really know i mean you have to know your child and really taking that time to understand as you said their love language if you're Mm -hmm. not really sure what your child is like i think that's a good starter is understanding their love language and using that to um help them grieve or you know and let, and reminding yourself as well as other people who want to act like grief is on their timetable everyone grieves differently sure mm-hmm. yeah sure for sure definitely mm-hmm. another good thing too especially with this um generation like the 13 14 15 year olds um all these um like juice world triple x i every time Oh. Juice World, Triple yeah. X. I know, I'm like over my head. Are, I said I'm Oregon Trail, honey. I well, don't, okay. I was like, what, what is so, Juice World? So, okay. So, this is just another real quick um, tip, I guess. Um, especially for parents of kids that are um, like a middle school, teenager-ish. Okay. Definitely... Um, don't just be like, I guess, on social media or the uh, blog sites and stuff just to kind of see what they're doing. I mean, that's obviously good to do, but keeping, um, be aware of like their culture, right? Because I know Juice World, he um, recently OD'd. Um, oh, it's a guy. It's a person. Yeah, it's a rapper. Yes. <laughs> Look at us. I'm like, okay, so we about to get it. Now, yes. when you say triple X, call us old. Yes, yes, you. yes. That makes sense. Okay. And he was, was murdered. Okay. Um, and then like um, little little Zan or Xanax or whatever his name was. I, she called him Xanax. That was well, his, name. his name. And oh, so he is? passed away. And so what I'll try to do is be on top of those issues as well. 
now because remember when Aaliyah died took me completely out you know yeah. what I'm saying and they we don't know who these people are per se we ain't bumping them in a car but they're everything for them and more so because they're totally connected all the time Twitter uh, you know TikTok and Snapchat yeah. and Instagram and so um, I will I feel like what I have found especially when those two died is they'll talk about it amongst themselves in their group of friends but I feel like if I come to him and I'm like hey I heard so and so died oh my god how are you feeling they open right up. My son, mm, he opened is, right up. And look at that. And that's a way in to talk about death. Because, you know, it's for, a, for, yeah. a bonding moment. You're coming gotcha. and you're engaging with them. And then it's kind of like, oh, man. And they, it it really, they just let it out because gotcha. it bothers them. Because a lot of them, you know, they look up to them because a lot of them want to be rappers or they just like the fame and whatever. So that's a very good thing to just keep abreast of what's going on with that little element with the music and stuff. Gotcha. So, keep, yeah. Keep your ear to the streets. Mm-hmm. Kimberly, where can people find you? Oh, yes. They are in need of your services. Girl, yes. So, I am on social media. I'm on Facebook as a Kimberly Amara. Uh, middle name is A-M-A-R-A. But I have a social worker group because I'm passionate about all things social work. And it is called Views from a Social Worker. And so you can definitely find me there. I'm always posting in that group. And then on Instagram, I'm actually the unlearned social worker. And I have a podcast called Unlearned, and you can find it anywhere that you listen to a podcast. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you know, all that good stuff. And I got a lot of stuff I'm working on. So... It wow. sounds like it. Awesome. But that is me, Kimberly A., the unlearned social worker, because I am really out here social working differently. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for Thank being you our guest. Thank you guys for having August. me. Absolutely. I love this. Well, let's continue the conversation through our listener comments and questions in our Facebook group. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. You can also email us at mahoganymomology at gmail.com. Don't forget to get your t-shirt and mug on our website at mahoganymomology.com. Until next time, this is Mel. And I'm Tosh. And we thank you for listening to Mahogany Mammology. Bye-bye.